right. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. Uh, we're, we're coming in after three games. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Patrick Lonsbury. Patrick, man, how you doing after tonight's loss? You know, um, it was it sucked to watch us have like a really rough stretch at the end there and lose it because, you know, I thought it was a game that we could win. But uh, overall, the, the guys fought hard. And uh, just couldn't pull away from uh, Embiid, who just hit some really big-time superstars. Yeah, tough game. So tonight the Celtics ended up losing to the Sixers 108-103. And the three games that we'll be covering today, uh, first the Warriors game, which the Celtics also dropped 111-107. No shame in losing to one of the best teams in basketball, especially when we were able to fight and claw our way back in there to, you know, make it competitive. Uh, the second game is the Knicks game. Uh, we got revenge on the Knicks. We won 114-107 despite a couple giant performances from former Celtics Evan Fournier and the New York legend Kemba Walker. And then, you know, like we mentioned tonight, lost to the Sixers. So, Patrick, we starting with the Warriors? Who do, where do you want to start? Are we mixing it up or are we going to go in chronological order? Yeah, let's, let's just go. Let's go with the Warriors, man. Let's knock out the Warriors game. We can save the Knicks ones for last and absolute good news. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean it wasn't good to see Kemba and uh Kemba and Evan Spass, you know. They they were really out for the that game, but we can start with the Warriors game. I mean obviously the Celtics were down, you know, down pretty big in the first half, you know, gave giving up thirty four points in the first and second quarter. Um, you know, were able to claw their way back in the third, um, only allowing fourteen points from the Warriors, but you know, ultimately it was too much from Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry. Um uh, you know, down the stretch to prevent the Celtics from getting a win. So I just, what are some of your big takeaways from this game, Patrick? You know, yeah, I honestly, I mean, I'll just say I wasn't too upset with this game. You know, we lost, but you know, it wasn't too bad. You know, they're one of the best teams in basketball. So sorry for um, interrupting. I we were too, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I do it all the time to you. So, I mean, it happens. We, we just do it, man. This is how we podcast I, I out here. Asked you a question and then instantly interrupted you. So that's my bad on that one. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, the, like we stated, uh, Wiggins and Steph kind of just went nuclear in the first half. Like, I don't think that you can really get away with giving Wiggins 24 points and then Curry 20 points when the Celtics' highest scoring person had 13. Like, you you got to be better than that. You have to find something in you. I didn't think the energy was good enough on defense on Wiggins. I thought they were a little too soft. Kind of let Wiggins get comfortable, get to his spots too easily, get himself really in a groove, and and ultimately led him to to carrying that first half twenty four points. Like Steph Curry was already insane enough, and and then we also ended that first half with a a pretty bad foul from Marcus Smart and then Ime with a tech that led to four points. So instead of taking in a, you know, down by, I think they were going to be down by like eight or something like that. Was it? Or 12. No, it was like 12. They were going to be down by 12. They ended up going down in half by 16, which ultimately just, just was not good. No, not at all, bro. That foul at the end of the half. I mean, it's very basic basketball. You know, obviously anyone who listens to the show knows how much, I'm a fan of a guy like Marcus Smart, you know, the effort plays he makes, but, you know, fouling somebody shooting a ball almost out of bounds from midcourt while he kind of is off balance, that's just unacceptable. And listen, it was a foul. I mean, I know Emay called it a bullshit foul, and uh, that's a direct quote, and, uh, you know, got teed up, teed up for that. But, I mean, it was a foul. I mean, it was blatant as day. Uh, uh, Curry went to shoot the, the half-court shot. Marcus bumped him with his body. They're going to give him the three free throws on that every single time. 
And those four points really hurt in the game that we end up losing by four. You know, now I'm not, I'm not going to go as far to say as that foul cost us the game because I think, you know, basketball is not that simple. Um, because a lot of things, you know, transpired in the second half, but I do think that, you know, points are costly. And if you give up a free four points like that, you know, it can come back to bite you in the butt. And, you know, it definitely did in this game. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then you got the thing that was more important about not only was it a foul, but like it was a foul on smart who was already in foul trouble. He picked up his third right there going in, um, out of halftime. And then he picked up a fourth foul and the third, and he just ultimately got, ended up in foul trouble. So, like, when you're in foul trouble, then we, you can't play as aggressive and you can't play as long stints. So, Emi had to bench him longer than he probably wanted to. And then Smart also probably couldn't be as aggressive as he wanted to. I think that's more telling um, to the reason of, for a loss is you look back at not the shot itself and the free throws, but more so the foul in Marcus. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I mean, smart as the guy, you know, we kind of need out there defensively, especially playing against a guy like Steph Curry. So, you know, just, you know, just making a stupid play like that. I mean, you know, it's just not something you can afford against a team with only five losses out of 29 on the season. You know, you can't really make mental errors like that against a team as good as the Warriors, who, you know, are a dang good team. So, like I said, you know, in the, in the beginning, in the rundown, there's no shame in losing to the Warriors. Um, you know, I will say, I, this game ended, I don't know about you, Patrick, but even though we lost, I left with a pretty pretty positive feeling about the team because the second half, we really clawed back. Yeah, no, the, the second half was really good. And then even like there was a moment where Marcus Smart had uh, taken that charge on Steph to get the ball back with 10 seconds Huge. left. And then he ended up hitting like a three with four seconds left. Like the, the Celtics came within distance of possibly getting the win and just ultimately just couldn't uh, – complete the comeback the Warriors were just too good earlier in the game that the Celtics couldn't recover and ultimately leading to the Warriors you know coming into TD and just knocking this and and I want to just touch on something you said earlier you know you said the defense on Wiggins was a little bit too soft for your liking um and you know I think Wiggins is the type of player where if he sees some shots go down early he's able to get to the rim get himself some easy ones that really boosts his shooting confidence which you know boost his shooting he ended up shooting five of seven from three you know Wiggins he's definitely improved as a jump shooter throughout his career but five of seven I mean that's what happens when you let a guy see the ball go through the hoop early and uh, like you said you know he had 20 plus points in the first half that's really just unacceptable Uh, the defense tightened up on him in the second half which was good to see Uh, but you know it wasn't good to see Iguodala flash back to 2016 for the second half though I mean well, Patrick, I don't know about you, but that killed me, man. He was playing really phenomenal ball in the second half. Uh, finished uh, with a plus 10, six assists, four rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks. And, uh, you know, that one dunk that he was channeling like his Philadelphia 76ers athleticism. Are you talking about Aaron Neesmith, man, my boy? You know, he's uh, he's been really good lately. I think uh... – <laughs> I'm talking about Iguodala. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking, oh, I thought you were talking about um, the dunk by uh, Neesmith, no? I'm no? Still, no, no, I'm still on the, uh, on the Warriors game. Um, no, I'm talking about Iguodala, but he had, a, he had basically like a steal at one point, and he basically turned on the burners like he was still playing with Iverson in 2007 on the Sixers and, uh, you know, just blasted off. I'm just saying, you know, we, we, we kind of locked up Wiggins in the second half, but Iguodala kind of slid in. No, Iggy, Iggy was impactful. I thought he was really impactful on the defensive end. He was really active in the lanes with his hands, 
And yeah, he, he kind of drove the, the Warriors home there. He's, he's just clutch, man. I don't know why Iggy, it can age and age and age and he gets less impactful throughout a normal par- portion of a game. But as soon as that fourth quarter comes on with like six minutes left, man, he just kind of takes over and it's, it's crazy. Cause it does, it's, he does it so effortlessly. It seems like. Yeah, man. No, I mean, I think that was a really great addition to the Warriors team. I mean, he really didn't play like a ton for the Heat, and I just think you know he's back into a uh, back into the situation where he's used to. Man, I mean, him and Otto Porter were two of the best sneaky additions. I mean, Otto Porter only played 17 minutes in this game, um, but you know that's still a guy that I mean, I know we would kill to have. Yeah, and listen, Patrick, I understand you were very excited about the Neesmith dunk. So you know, <laughs> I'm I, super excited about listen, it, man. I heard the so, dunk part, and my mind for some reason was like, "Yo, Neesmith." No, listen. So everybody knows, you know, who listens to the show. Patrick's a big uh, Neesmith guy, so you can all understand where Patrick heard the word dunk and then thought about the dunk tonight, where Neesmith's face was a little bit above the rim. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, Patrick. What else do you got to say about the Warriors game? A uh, last thing I got to say is uh, I love Gary Payton the second. I mean, awesome role player. Awesome, awesome role player over there in uh, in the Bay. Yeah, Gary. Um, Gary was solid uh, for the Warriors as well. But yeah, ultimately, I thought the Celtics like they played pretty well, but also just just kind of came up short, man. I think the defense was too soft in the beginning of the game, and you need to definitely come out with a lot more aggression to start out. But um, I think they're learning that more. Um, they're, I've noticed it just in recent games how Ime is starting to also pick up teams full court at times just to kind of throw off their offensive rhythm. Um, that's worked a lot. We did a lot of that tonight against the Sixers, which was really beneficial and um, was able to swing everything towards that way. But also we, we had the game um, against New York where we were able to play pretty good defense on Julius Randle and keep him quiet. But there was two guys that uh, – didn't quite uh, come all that quiet back to the. I couldn't believe it, Patrick. I mean, you know, when we did the season recap, you know, the schedule overview at the beginning of the season, you know, we kind of predicted the first game to be the revenge games for Kemba and Fournier. Well, it was this game for sure. I mean, Kemba looked like himself back in Charlotte, and Fournier looked like he was playing for the French national team. I mean, listen to these stat lines. I mean, Fournier was 13 of 24 for 32 five and three. I mean, and, and if you guys have been following the Knicks at all lately, which, you know, you know, I do, you know, I, I love me some of the Knicks. Uh, they're struggling right now. And specifically Fournier, he's been playing really, really badly. Um, you know, he's a streaky player. So, you know, I'm not going to kill the Celtics for getting lit up by him, but I was just shocked to see him, you know, come out of a slump with, uh, you know, such a vengeance really against the Celtics. And then Kemba, I can't lie. I can't lie. Patrick, it was good to see him play. It was good to see him play. Well, I don't know if I'd be saying that if we lost, but since we won, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it felt good to see our guy Kemba, you know, doing what we we've seen him do for like a decade plus now. Yeah. I, I want to say too, I think that Kemba, Kemba had the revenge game against Boston. This was like a game for him to do it, but also like he, he kind of had a revenge game for his against own team. Right. Yeah. Because like they just came out with that report like a week ago. Hey, we don't even have a spot for you in the rotation. Like, we just don't see you playing. And then they were forced to start him due to, you know, COVID safety call protocols that have been hurting the NBA all around the league and including the Celtics that have been hit that. But also just seeing the the way that uh, Tom Thibodeau, you know, benched Kemba and made it very public of why he was just 
didn't have use for him. And you're telling me that a guy of Kemba's skill set doesn't even have the opportunity to even get a minute? Like, that's that was crazy. So he ends up going to that starting role, had a little chip on his shoulder from us, had a little chip on his shoulder from the Knicks, and he said, all right, let me go ahead and go up in here and just show out. And he, he played. Yeah, this man even ended up staring at Tibbs one play after he made a shot like, you know, remember who I am. I'm from here. I still got some game in him. And, you know, if Kemba plays anything like that, man, he definitely deserves to be in the Knicks rotation because the Knicks are a struggling team right now. Uh, that loss dropped them to 13 and 17 on the year. A uh, little bit of a, you know, trip back to earth after they were in outer space last year with the four seed. Uh, you know, like you said at the beginning of this game, you know, Patrick, we really, really made, you know, Julius Randle's life uh, terrible really during this game. I mean, he shot very poorly under 33% on the game. He was one of seven from three. Didn't let him get anything easy. Uh, and, you know, that's what you got to do to the team's, you know, uh, the other team's best player. And in this case, you know, it's a little bit easier to do it because their best player is Julius Randle. Yeah, no, it's um, and and the thing too that I really liked was in that first half was Peyton Pritchard was solid, man. He had 13 points in the first half against the Knicks. This is kind of when he's he started getting a little bit more opportunity, and he's just going he's going ham, man. I love I love watching Peyton Pritchard kind of get get back into rhythm because we've seen what he's capable of when he's playing at a high level, and he's playing with a lot more confidence. So seeing him kind of get into some, a type of groove here against the Knicks was was really encouraging. Also, Jalen Brown and Tatum were just both on it to start this game. Um, they both finished that first half, 16 points from Brown, 15 points from Tatum. Ultimately, just, just firing at all cylinders, and, and then we go into um, our favorite quarter, the third. Um, you want to uh, go ahead and – I mean, the Celtics just came out with the absolute classic flat quarter. They played terrific defense in the first half, holding the Knicks to uh, – under 50 points in the first half, which is, you know, a good measure by today's NBA. And then we come out and we give up 41 in the third quarter. Uh, the rotations weren't there. We were giving up easy baskets. Uh, you know, it seemed like the turnovers kind of hopped up a little bit there. It was just a classic case of uh, a team playing really well in the first half, thinking they can come out coasting in the second half like it'll all be good, and, you know, kind of getting punched in the mouth. So uh, that was disappointing because that's a trend we've seen Happened a lot this year, but uh, it was at least good to see us rally in the fourth with Patrick. Let me hear what you got to say about the third. Oh, man, this third quarter. I know it got under your skin. Uh, dude, it made me so mad. The Celtics came out with, like, low energy. The energy was just bad. Like, they, their body language, not good. They kind of came out really half doing everything, kind of just going through emotions, it seemed like. Um, then they were just settling for too many outside shots. Didn't like that at all. And then next thing you know, it's a 17-2 to two run to open up the second half and the Knicks tie the game. And I'm just like, um, what, what did we just like stop playing at halftime and think, hey, yeah, the game's over now? No, that's not how that works. So I, th- I thought the Celtics defense started being way too soft on the Knicks to get to the, get some easy looks, kind of get to where they wanted to, get to their spots. So And they were leaving like Fournier open a lot. I don't know what was the, the game plan on switches or whatnot, but it seemed like he was left open quite a few times, and Evan Fournier just kind of was like, yep. Yeah. I think 
So I think you cut out for a sec, Patrick. Sorry. Would you you want to go ahead and just finish repeat that sentence again? No, yeah, I, I just I just said that I, I think that the Celtics, you know, got burned by Fournier to, to really end out that third quarter and they left them open and he just made yeah. them pay every time. So it's just unfortunate, yeah, and listen, man. And he made went into the team like uh, he had called the timeout and he like went in on the team. He was very upset with them. Um, but Josh Richardson said that they needed that, and Josh Richardson is is Lucas's guy who uh, we're gonna get to talk about here in the. Mm-hmm. Oh, listen, yeah, I mean, you've heard me for weeks and weeks now talk about how much I loved what he brings to the team, and you know sometimes, you know we we are missing that third scoring punch. Uh, you know, we were missing that third guy who really can fill it up. And I think that's going to, you know, it rotates, you know, game to game. Maybe it's going to be Dennis. Maybe it's going to be Marcus. Well, we can definitely tell you against the Knicks, it was Josh Richardson. And he wasn't really our third scoring option. He was our team leader in, sco- in points. He had 27. He did not miss a shot in the fourth quarter. Um, You know, down the stretch, he was just beautiful. I mean, he kind of helped sustain our offense in the first quarter pretty well, uh, making, I believe, four shots in the first. Uh, and then he made all three of his shots in the fourth quarter and a couple huge three balls. I mean, he just has brought a lot more, I think, than a lot of Celtics fans imagined. And, um, you know, I don't forget, Patrick. I remember the Twitter timeline was mad we gave up on Moses Brown for Jay Rich. Now, listen, we probably could have used Moses Brown tonight against uh, Mr. Joel Embiid, but it's no question who the better player is today, and it's by far Josh Richardson. I don't mean to give Moses Brown, Moses Brown astray like that or anything. You know, Moses Brown is a solid prospect in his own right. But for what the Celtics need, I mean, a ball handling, playmaking, shooting, defensive wing. Come on. You can't beat that. And, you know, Jay Rich, I feel like I've given him his flowers this year, and I'm really glad because a lot of people were showering him with praise after this next game. Honestly, we had uh, uh, had Richardson for this uh, Sixers game. I feel like uh, we may have been able to pull it out because the Dennis Schroeder minutes were brutal. Man, I don't I don't know what his 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 decision is. Um, but when he his, looked off Jalen in the corner, Patrick wide open. It's his dribbling too. He likes to dribble for twenty seconds and then give it up or take a mid range shot. And I'm just like, I don't know what we're doing here. No, and honestly, Patrick, but I will say we can. One thing you touched on in this game was about Peyton Pritchard, right? So Schroeder, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a talented player, no doubt. You know, he can get to the rim. He's incredibly quick. He has that nice two pull up, like that pull up, like from mid. If he's hitting his three pointers, he's a really, really, really tough player to guard because of how fast he is. He's a pesky defender, but at the end of the day, you need to you know learn and figure out how to play within the team construct. And I think. I seriously think that in the coming weeks, you know, if Dennis doesn't kind of look in the mirror, watch some tape, understand how he's negatively affecting this team on offense, Pritchard is going to start eating into his minutes because Pritchard has played. And and listen, and finally, Patrick, finally, this is the breakthrough, man. This is the, and and remember the, the confidence game. Um, I don't remember exactly which game it was. Um, maybe you remember, but I, I remember in the post game, we were saying that, it was the blowout. Yeah, it was the blowout game. Uh, I forget who they played against, but it was the blowout game where Neesmith and Pritchard, uh, Pritchard kind of got some walks around. Yeah, and it seems like that is kind of ringing true, man. They kind of, especially Pritchard, got his confidence back, understanding I'm good enough to be on the floor. 
Um, I don't need to try and make a home run play every time. I just need to make the right play every possession. And he's seeming to do that. And, you know, his shots are falling, and I really think he could start eating into Dennis's minutes just because he's able to play more within the flow of the offense. Because, listen, looking off – we'll finish the next game, but tonight looking off Jalen Brown wide open in the corner as Dennis, if you're the point guard, it was Portland. Thank you, Sean, in the chat. It was the Portland game where they played all those minutes. Um, if you're Dennis – that makes sense. Yeah, I was on the West if Coast. If you're trip. a point guard, man, you cannot look off your team's second best player wide open in the corner for three. You need to make that pass, or you know, I don't know how much of the floor you're going to see. We can't can't have a ball stopper at the point guard position. That's quite literally the antithesis of what you want your point guard to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because like that type of playmaking is something that like people were for some reason expecting out of Marcus Smart, who I feel like was very impressive in a in this uh, Philadelphia game. Um, he's actually just been good in general the last few games. His offense is finally kind of catching up. It's not being as bad. His playmaking has been good. And his defensive intensity and proudness, uh, Marcus Smart's kind of on fire lately as far as his production has gone for the team. I thought he's been really valuable on the defensive side of the ball, active hands and passing lanes, causing turnovers, um, trying to find the superstars and get them in good position. Listen, Smart was looking like my boy J.C. Jackson tonight against Philly. Man had about four or five interceptions. I mean, he was playing the passing lanes like crazy. I'm right there with you. I mean, he's really stepped it up a notch, man. Um, and we need Marcus. And I do think he's still trying to find that balance. Because like I mentioned, you know, we need that third score. And Marcus in the past has been that. But he's also now being tasked with the job of being the team's point guard while also playing with Dennis. So it's a, so I think Marcus actually deserves a lot more slack than some people are giving him. Because it's one thing to just like, there's just a lot of factors in like, you know, how Marcus had to adjust his game, you know, this year with the new coach and the new players. Like, you know, people want him to be the point guard, but he's playing next to Dennis, who's a ball-stopping point guard. People want him to be the scorer, but, you know, he's supposed to be the point guard getting everybody involved. So I just think there's like, it's a tough balance to find for Marcus. And we've got to understand this is his first time in this role in in the professional uh, in NBA. You know, he was, you know, dominant on ball in college, but that's a different story. So I just think Marcus deserves some slack, and I'm right there with you. He's played much better. We can also get to uh, – Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, but I was just going to jump in more into the, the Philly game unless you had anything else on New no, York. No, that's what I was about to say too. I was about to say we can start the Philly <laughs> game. Listen, now we can talk about Neesmith's dunk. So, Patrick. Oh, man. No, I ain't, I'm not going to jump there because there's so much in this game okay, that okay, I, okay. I, I loved. I okay. loved. Um but to start out, man, um, Embiid was hitting his jump early on, and I, I kind of had like a feeling like, oh, now, like if Embiid's hitting jump shots, like we're you're in trouble because mm-hmm. his biggest threat is is just posting up old style, bullying people, getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line and making you pay. Um, he's still able to do that, but he was able to get his shots kind of to fall jumpers, um, and then I thought the Celtics were really good on offense to open up the game, even though they weren't making anything because they were generating relatively really open looks and just weren't able to knock them down yet. Uh, unfortunately, they just weren't able to to knock down the threes consistent enough tonight. As uh, you just said before the show uh, that they had only seven, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, seven, seven, for, seven for 27. Yes. Yes, yeah. So this team definitely didn't shoot great from downtown tonight. Um, I thought a lot of the looks generated were were relatively open, though, and really good and solid. But uh, Celtics couldn't take advantage of that. Uh, 
But what did you so far think of that beginning of that? No, I mean, yeah, it was uh, the first quarter was definitely not great. I mean, I would say lacking energy. You know, I think obviously I'm just gonna first I'm just gonna mention you know all the players we were out we were out Jabari, Al, Grant, Wancho, my guy Hauser, Broderick Thomas, my guy Jay Rich, and Rob Will. So coming into the game, I was not necessarily expecting us like I was not thinking we should win this game. I was thinking, you know, okay, hopefully we're competing, you know, and have a chance to win this game, you know, when, you know, towards the end of it, which we did, but I just want to start with that. But the first quarter, they came out flat, but Patrick, your guy, Neesmith, I think uh, him coming in really, you know, rose the energy of the team because you see one guy, like this is classic. I've talked about this before. I've seen this on the basketball court. If you're playing kind of lackadaisical and one of your teammates is out there busting his butt, you pretty much have no choice but to start busting your butt because you will look foolish. So uh, I think that's kind of what happened, you know, a little bit in that second quarter. Neesmith flying around. The Celtics ended up playing much better in that second quarter. Um, but, yeah, I echo everything you said. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Embiid, I mean, listen, he gets to the free throw at a better rate per 36 minutes than literally anyone in NBA history. Okay. Um, and, you know, you know I'm a known – I'm going to say, I'll be nice. I'm not a big fan of Ennis Freedom's game. Okay. That's me being very nice about it. Okay. But if I have to give him any two things, Patrick, I said this before the show, it's his post offense and post defense. He played quite good post defense against Embiid for the most part tonight. Just sometimes when Embiid backs out and takes those mid ranges, like you said, there's not a player in the world that can guard him outside of maybe a guy like Bam or, or maybe there's two or three guys in the world who can guard him. And I'll tell you, Ennis Freedom is not one of them. Yeah. And then also I, I thought that uh, Ennis Cantor, well, Ennis Freedom, sorry, um, also was just like, he had moments where I thought he stripped and beat, but they still called the foul. So I was just like, all right, so Embiid just drives. If you swipe anywhere near Embiid while he drives, it's like an auto foul. It is wild. Like you can't, they will not give you benefit of the call any of the times um, the Embiid drives and you swipe at them for some reason. Um, but also, uh, I, we talked about Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was really good in that first quarter. I thought his intensity was really high and he's very active in the lanes. Um, we had a rough start from Dennis Schroeder and Jalen Brown in that first quarter. That was rough. I thought Jalen Brown was just not looking like himself early on there. And then Dennis was just, like we talked about, just dribbling the ball too much, man. Like, you got to get it up. Stop, you know, giving yourself up in the flow of things. And then we got to see some Bruno um, Hernando minutes in that first quarter because of, you know, we only have Ennis Freedom and him at the center position. Uh, Bruno got picked on, like, almost immediately as he got in, though. Like, they put him in a pick-and-roll action and a few times in this game, and he was just, like, still in the paint, not hedging at all, nowhere near a switch. And I'm just like, you don't even have to switch, but at least show something because when you got a guy like Curry coming off of show, him, you got to show. you got to at least show. You know, like, allow the other guy to come back and recover. And then, then that was also a reason for that um, Curry four-point play at one point was because Jalen Brown had to um, – had to fight over the screen and chase Seth because Bruno's guy screened and he wasn't even close to the play. And it's just like, those are just, you know, not having the experience yet, not getting those reps in and ended yeah. up costing the Celtics at times. But in a positive manner, uh, we will, uh, 
We will say that uh, my boy Neesmith with a slam dunk, man. I'm talking about he hammered that one, man. He, I was, I watched that play, and I look at Embiid, and I think Embiid knew he was going to go up there and was wow. like, nah, I'm not going up there. Like, Embiid even was like, I'm not even going to try to swat at it. Bro, that was a good decision by Embiid because I'm watching for a second. I'm like, all right, Embiid's going to go up and challenge this. And I think that was a terrific business decision by Mr. Embiid because, I mean, Neesmith's face was at the rim. I mean, you see him may flash these absolute, uh, absolute like moments of like freak athleticism. Like you've seen some, honestly, I think we've seen it on attempted dunks more than dunks, like plays where he's got fouled or something. But tonight was a successful one. And boy, was that good to see. And, you know, I still think, you know, we kind of glossed over the fact that he didn't score, even though he played a lot in the Knicks game. But uh, I, I do think Neesmith is kind of coming around. At the end of the day, what's going to keep him on the floor is making his open shots. But I still think that Portland game was a little bit of like a, uh, a stepping stool. You know, he's getting up there a little bit. And I think it really boosted Pritchard. And I think you can tell the, the same way for uh, Neesmith to some degree. And honestly, if the Celtics have any any – any hope of all of winning a playoff series, they're going to need Neesmith. Uh, like, I'm not saying he's going to save this team and he's going to, like, be the reason that we go to the finals or win a playoff series. But, bro, at the end of the day, a player like Neesmith, who's athletic enough to make plays like he did tonight, is a good enough shooter to make threes, you know, play good defense. Come on. Like, those are players who are valuable in the playoffs. You need guys like that. So, uh, Crash, yes, yes. As Sean calls him down in the comments. Yeah. I love that nickname. Yeah, yeah I, I understand it too, man. He's just so reckless and wild. That, uh, man, I, I just, I'm in love with Aaron e. Smith. That's, that's my guy, man. I'm happy to see him kind of get into the groove of thing. That dunk was ridiculous. If you didn't see it, it was at the 803 mark in that second quarter on a fast break. We also saw another pretty cool uh, play in that second quarter was uh, Tatum had an outlet pass to Jalen Brown. Ooh, yes, sir. Jalen Brown tossed it up for a Marcus Smart alley-oop. I didn't know that was in his package, The, J- the Jalen to Marcus alley-oop was not something I anticipated seeing tonight, but that got me up out of my seat for sure, man. That was a uh, that was a beautiful play. They did that for Rob, right? That was for, for Rob? Sure. Had to be. Had to be. That's for their boy Rob, who was out because of personal reasons. Uh, don't know exactly what the reasons are, but hope all is good for Robert Williams. Well, and somebody going uh, on tonight, you know, Rob didn't play. Somebody in my fantasy league said I need to get rid of him. He never plays, so I traded a third round pick in twenty twenty four and some fab money for Rob Will. So thank you for that, Rob. Um, no, but seriously, I mean, like I said earlier, man. I mean, this game stinks that we lost. You know, we can keep progressing through the game, but. I mean, come on. When four, what would you say? Four of our top eight players? Yeah, and I also let people know uh, that this this Celtics team had three guys over the height of 6'6 six, six <laughs> available tonight. It's just not good. <laughs> three guys. Uh, that was Jason Tatum, um, Ennis Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. Those are the only three guys over the height of 6'6 six, six available for this. Height's Celtics not everything team. in basketball, but it definitely helps when you're going up against a guy. Like- Yeah, yeah, Embiid was uh, Embiid was a problem tonight. Uh, but going into the second half of the this game, um, man, Ennis Freedom cannot catch a damn pocket pass for his life. 
uh, I don't know what it is. I thought Tatum hit him pretty well and under the paint like two or three times, and it just hits Ennis's hands and it just goes right out of bounds. I'm just like, oh, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, Tatum uh, was credited with six turnovers tonight, which obviously is not good. Um, you know, that brought his assist-to-turnover ratio for, to, uh, to a ratio of one-to-one, which, you know, is not something at all you want to see, you know, especially when we've talked about Tatum being a primary ball handler and able to initiate offense like that. Like, that's not good, but I am with you. You know, a couple of those turnovers were not really on him. Um, so, you know, it's hard to blame him for all six of those, but, you know, he definitely does – have to be a little more careful with the ball, but Cantor, man, I mean, you know, freedom. Uh, I'm never going to get used to saying that, Patrick, I swear. Um, you know, listen, like I said earlier, I'm not the biggest fan, but tonight, bro, he was pretty good. You know, he shot efficiently from the field, 7 to 10. He had some good post moves. Like I said, he played about as good post defense as he could on Embiid. But uh, honestly, those turnovers, he had two credited turnovers. It probably could have been closer to four, like you were saying. Those are plays we really can't afford to have because a player with such a low usage rate as a guy like Ennis Freedom, you know, you can't afford to turn the ball over more. Yeah, and I also thought the Celtics were um, they're really good in that third quarter as far as, like, um, the energy from them. I thought they they picked up their intensity a lot. Uh, they were able to go, you know, have a plus seven in, in that quarter and ultimately take a five-point lead into the fourth. Jalen Brown had a little stretch where he hit a mid-range jumper and then he hit another three-pointer the next play. And I was like thinking like, oh, this might be a really hot Jalen Brown moment. Um, it didn't continue after that, unfortunately. But uh, also in that third quarter, Marcus Smart was still playing really well. It was playing very good control, just helping the team get into position and everything like that, um, make playmaking and, and hitting shots. So good job on Marcus Smart tonight, having a good offensive game. And we take a four – uh, five point lead into that fourth quarter and we had to play some more Bruno minutes man and I swear he cannot hedge and it it just bugs me that he doesn't hedge and I'm just like oh man no, also, and, that's, and, that's, that's the roster right like we couldn't do anything about it. exactly and, you know people uh you know myself included I, I maybe wanted a few more Bruno minutes but I think I was just getting a little bit too sucked into that double block sequence we had because, you know, outside of that defensively, I mean, now to be fair, that was a terrific little sequence. Uh, blocking Tobias Harris twice in like 20 seconds. And that second one was most definitely not a foul. But, uh, but you know, you, like you're saying, his pick and roll defense is going to matter way more functionally than a play like a chase down block like that. So, you know, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, any game where Ennis Freedom is playing 40 minutes, I mean, you're just probably not going to win at the end of the day. And that means he's one of your five best players pretty much. And, uh, you know, he played pretty well tonight, but still, I mean, that's just not a winning formula. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we went to the fourth quarter up five, and then the offense sputtered. And this is where, you know, I think Patrick was getting at, you know, if we had Jay Rich, things might have shake out a little differently because we were just missing that one guy to make a shot it, uh, down the stretch in that fourth quarter. And, uh you know, like like we said, you know, the roster, it's just it's just how it is right now. I mean, with COVID and everything, I mean, obviously we can just touch on this really quickly. I mean, COVID is really just ravaging sports leagues right now. I mean, there are new NBA players every single night. Like, you know, the game after the Warriors played us, I mean, I think they were missing, what, seven or eight players, um, you know, that next game. Um, and then 
so you know it's everywhere i mean the nets are getting hit right now obviously the celtics i mean the rams like even nfl teams are getting absolutely ravaged so i think this is kind of like the sixth state we have to live in right now with of like sports is that you know a lot of the times the entire roster is not going to be ready to go because of you know the pandemic that we're still living in which is you know it's a sad reality yeah, absolutely. And then uh, also just in that fourth quarter, the I, I thought the Celtics seemed to have missed like all the free throws that they missed in the whole game. They decided to miss in the fourth quarter for some reason. Um, that didn't help out down the stretch. And then um, Embiid just was amazing. Like Embiid had that uh, with 11 seconds left is when he drove to the baseline, did a step back on the double team, faded away and just knocked down a, a nice fadeaway jumper. And I was just like, all right, man. I, I guess like if if that if those are the type of shots that Embiid was making tonight, you tip your hat out, you go good job, way to freaking knock down your jumpers, and you call it a night. We were short, you know, short stepped on on players tonight, and the freaking Sixers had their best player playing like a a superstar. And then uh, I thought was kind of weird was six that six point nine seconds left was when uh was Green got the the steal right and it looked like Tatum tackled him but they didn't call a foul they gave the ball back to the Celtics for some reason <laughs> uh, I thought that was just weird man I don't know what I was happened. gonna say last time I checked man even if uh, you lose the ball if you tackle somebody that's still a foul uh so I don't know how that wasn't I mean listen the, uh, the the three sixers standing underneath the hoop, they just looked like they had seen a ghost. They could not believe what they were seeing. And, you know, frankly, neither could I. Um, so, yeah, that was a little bit of a weird play. But, uh, you know, the offense just sputtered on the stretch, man. I mean, this is a very back-and-forth game. Um, you know, like you said, Embiid dominated. I mean, the longest run of points anyone went on in this game was six. So, you know, there was not a lot of massive momentum swings throughout this game. It felt like it was always hanging in the balance. Um, and you know, it was just too bad the Celtics couldn't end up bringing it home down, down the end. I mean, Tatum missed a straightaway three, you know, that was wide open. That shot would have really changed things down the stretch, I think. Uh, and, you know, shout out Seth Curry, too. I mean, Seth Curry doesn't get the respect that he deserves because of who his brother is. People just love to call him Steph's brother. I mean, Seth Curry is a very, very, very good NBA player in his own right. He's really improved his off-the-dribble package throughout the years. And that was on full display tonight. I mean, 26 points, 10 of 14 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3. He had 7 assists. 7 assists from Seth Curry. 26 and 7. That's a heck of a game, man. And I mean, Patrick, we were talking about it earlier. 22 points in the paint for the 76ers tonight. 22 points the whole game in the paint. I mean... If you told me that going in, I might have put my entire savings on the Celtics' money line tonight, all right, if I knew the Sixers were only going to score 22 points in the paint with Embiid going against, uh, you know, a team with pretty much no centers. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, the jump, shotting, the jump shots got it done tonight for the, uh, for the Sixers, and, you know, sometimes that's just how it shakes out. However, got to shout out my guys. Only two offensive rebounds tonight for the Sixers. The Celtics actually did a great job of rebounding. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this this game just came down to the Celtics not hitting shots from deep, mm-hmm. and the Sixers just hitting their jumpers. Like they they just good job. You guys came in here, you hit your jump shots. Celtics, I thought they made it really tough on them for the most part to try and get those jumpers, and 
you you live with it at the end of the day. Uh, Peyton Pritchard also had a pretty good uh, fourth quarter, though. Sure did. He almost he almost brought us home. It looked like, and if you notice, he he pretty pretty much finished out the game there at the end, except for uh, when they needed reboundings, they put back in uh, Romeo Langford. But uh, it was just pretty uh pretty overall good effort from the Celtics. I thought they they played with a lot of intensity throughout the game. It just didn't fall in our favor tonight, and that's all right. You know, you're not going to hit all the shots every time, and I think the Celtics can easily bounce back on this one. Oh, totally. And honestly, you know, just getting to the Pritchard-Schroeder thing, I mean, the last thing I want to do is, like, you know, pit any Celtics against each other. Like, obviously, they're going to need the whole team in order to be as successful as they can be. But Pritchard played three less minutes, took one less shot, scored six more points, had more assists, had more steals, had the same amount of turnovers, and he shot more threes, and he's a better shooter. I mean, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but, like, I really think Pritchard is going to start start taking his minutes, and I think he deserves them. I mean, listen, if Dennis is ball-stopping, he is more of a detriment than a benefit to this team Um, because, you know, now that everybody is healthy, and by everybody, I mean Jalen and Jason is really what I meant, now that Jalen and Jason – are healthy, uh, you know, Schroeder doesn't have to take on as big a scoring role. And I think that kind of diminishes the value he adds as a player unless he's able to make those quick first read passes that, you know, he so often is not able to make. Like this one play tonight where he looked Jalen off in the corner to take some dribbles. I don't know what he's thinking. You got to get the ball to one of your two best players if he's wide open in the corner. And I think Pritchard, Listen, Pritchard was probably humbled a little bit. He was a rotation player last season. He balled out during the summer league. He was balling during preseason. And then he absolutely, you know, can barely see the floor. That's got to be a little bit humbling. And he understands he's got to be able to operate within the construct of the team to see the floor. And uh, I think he's learning and doing very well. And that doesn't mean he has to pass and not take shots. He just needs to know when he can pass and when he can take the shots, and I think he's finding that balance. So, I'm, I'm thinking Pritchard is going to start. You know, splitting. Uh, they'll probably get similar minute counts, and depending on the game, I could definitely see Pritchard, you know, having more minutes than than Schroeder coming up. Now, depending on the injuries, of course, yeah. and the COVID and everything. Yeah, I think I think Pritchard does itch his way into some more playing time. He's had two pretty good showings now in these last three games, so. Hoping that Pritchard can can earn himself a little bit more minutes because I think he can do a lot with, with say eighteen twenty minutes a night, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get those, knowing that Dennis Schroeder is not going to probably be here after this season. Yeah. So I mean, if, if there's nothing else I want to touch on, I mean, there's a couple more topics we got to hit on um, before we call it a night. So uh, the Celtics have signed two new players. Um, you know, these are uh, part of these replacement contracts that the NBA is offering. Um, you know, for as ma- if you have more than four, I believe it's more than four players out, you are able to sign a replacement player um, for each one of them. You know, due to the COVID um, the COVID situation ongoing um, right now, and uh, the two players that we've signed so far are 15 year veteran uh, NBA veteran CJ Miles, uh, formerly of the Raptors. Um, you know, he's been a, he's been a good knockdown shooter throughout his career, a good three and D wing. Uh, you know, he currently played or he formerly played for the G league ignite, you know, the team that 
has a mix of NBA veterans and young talent that's, you know, planning on entering the draft without going to college. So he's been playing. He's been in the gym. That's good. And the other one I actually think is a little more tantalizing to me. You know, maybe as an actual piece to this team, Patrick, uh, Justin Jackson, former UNC Tar Heel, former Sacramento King, uh, six foot seven wing, who is averaging. I mean, listen, it's the G League. I get it. But, you know, I want a player to dominate in the G League if I think they are made for the NBA. He was averaging, I was looking at his stats. He was averaging uh, about 23, eight, three and a half on 42% from three, uh, Justin Jackson, man. So really looking forward to see what we, uh, we can get from him. He didn't play at all tonight. Neither did CJ Miles. Wasn't very much a surprise. But uh, I just want to, you know, touch on that. So those players, are we're going to be seeing them. We'll be seeing them in the next week or so. These are 10-day contracts, by the way. Just it's not a permanent. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's much going to come from them. I think they're just more insurance. I And you, you see even tonight where, like, the team was pretty – thinned out on the depth chart. I think it was more so because you had guys like uh, Dennis Schroeder was kind of like a game-time decision and Romeo. But I don't think we're going to probably see either one of those guys test us for during their 10-day uh, contracts. I think the, the Celtics have enough guys right now to get by. It was just more so of an emergency in case some of those guys who were game-time decisions for some reason didn't have a good uh, walkthrough. But seeing that a lot of them played tonight, I, I don't see uh, an avenue for either one of those guys to get any playing time while they're with the Celtics unless there's an injury or a COVID case. Yeah. Um, I can potentially see Justin Jackson becoming, you know, some sort of player for this team. Obviously, you know, he's not going to become a 25, 30-minute type of night type guy. Uh, 25 minutes a night type of guy. Um, you know, that's just not where he's at, you know, right now. But I do think he's a pretty young guy. He's got a knockdown, knockdown jumper. And, you know, he obviously has more left in the tank than a guy like CJ Miles. But, you know, Patrick, you're probably right. None of these things will really probably play out. Um, but, you know, I, I would expect us in the coming days to, uh, to probably bring in a replacement big man. Because, I mean, we saw it tonight. I mean, Freedom can't play 40 minutes, and Bruno Fernando can't even play 15 minutes. So uh, we're going to need some insurance. Maybe a guy like Harry Giles, Tatum, St. Louis, buddy. Uh, you know, maybe bring him in. I love Harry Giles, man. I love him. He's not a great defender, but I love him. He can do on the offensive end. Uh, and, you know, he's pretty versatile. He's been through a lot, too, in his life. You know, I think he's had about six or seven knee surgeries, man. And he's still grinded to get his way to the NBA. So you know he's not scared of adversity. So uh, I would always like a guy in the locker room. Now, however... C.J. Miles is a perfect guy, I think, for the locker room. Now, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what the deal is as far as like, you know, renewing the ten-day contract or like, you know, converting it into some sort of, you know, temporary contract. I'm not sure, um, but uh, I think he'd be good for the locker room. But like you said, this is probably a much more temporary insurance policy than anything. But Patrick, the biggest news for these like COVID replacement things is, you know what it is? In my opinion, there's no more time limit on the two way contracts. They can play as many games in the NBA as they want now. So, you know who I want playing for the Celtics, Patrick. Oh man. Doogie Hauser, yeah. Sam Hauser. Let's bring him up. <laughs> All right. It's time, <laughs> but no, I'm not he got COVID man. He got COVID. No, it, sucks. So. it sucks. I know. I mean, I thought he was going to get an opportunity. This is his chance right it now. Sucks, like we, man. 
oh, he, he had an opportunity, and there's like he gets COVID too, and it's like there's no Grant right now, there's no Robert Williams, no Al Horford. It's like there's plenty of minutes to go around for Hauser, but he's not going to get the opportunity because yeah. he's out with everybody else. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I had on those contracts. You know, there's one more little segment that we might get to, but uh, first, you know, we we're gonna tell you who we're brought by today. Patrick, take it away. Oh, yes, man. Make sure you guys head over to manscaped.com. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead and go check it out. Go to manscaped.com. You know, holidays are going past. Maybe you need to get late Christmas gifts because I don't think you order thing, anything online right now. It's going to get there in time now. So you might as well get the late gift. Go ahead over and get 20% off on manscaped.com by typing in hoopball20 in order for you to get that 20% off. Um, also, going into uh, another th- a topic here, I really wanted to talk about uh, a quick little segment to – I want to shout out to my boy Isaiah Thomas, man. Hate that he went back to the Lakers, but love to see that he got back into the league. And honestly, it's, it's it's great. He had to start, though, for the Lakers. So, so I don't think it's uh, at all good if a, a player <laughs> – it's not good for the Lakers right now. If uh, a guy who was just out of the league – in a couple of days is now starting on a on your team is is probably means that your team is in some pretty uh, bad uh, COVID issues right now. So yeah, um, but shout out to Isaiah Thomas showing out in his first uh, game with the Lakers, being their leading scorer and all that. I thought uh, he deserves a shout out. Yeah, totally. And uh, and listen, I know Celtics fans were uh, clamoring for uh, you know the Celtics to bring him in and. Uh, you know, I just I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. I mean, I love Isaiah Thomas. That season is arguably my favorite season ever as a Celtics fan. And yes, I watched when they won the championship in 2007, 2008, uh, and, and years before that as well. Um, that was an amazing year. But a five foot nine scoring point guard who's a liability on defense is not what would fix our team right now. I love the story. And listen, I don't know if he. Uh, I'm not saying he would have even killed us, but I just don't think that was the move. I think that's much more of a narrative sentiment thing than an actual, you know, basketball on court thing. I think Justin Jackson is a much more, you know, uh, he fits the bill of what we need much more than a guy like Isaiah, as much as I love Isaiah. But Patrick, I did want to kick us off. Uh, um, or, or I should say, send us off. Um, you know, it's on a positive note tonight. You know, yes, we lost tonight. But also today we found out Jason Tatum, his uh, his powers were not in fact taken by the Monstars, Patrick, as he was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, he averaged 31 on 50% shooting and 36 from three, 87 from free throw. You know, his free throws are back up. Seven and a half rebounds, almost four assists, and 1.3 steals per game in three games in a two-in-one slate. Could have been 3-0 and if we finished – you know, that comeback against the Warriors. So I just want to shout out our guy, JT. He is still like that. He is still one of the best players in the NBA, better than AD. He is top 15. Um, sorry, AD just caught a stray there, but, you know, I just had to get out there. <laughs> this is a Celtics podcast, so, you know, I had to do it. Um, but, you know, Jason Tatum, man, he's still that guy. 
Yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to hop in the vent box just to kind of give Jason Tatum his flowers. Say, hey, man, we appreciate you. Me and Lucas already knew you were that guy. The rest is, you know, media and stuff like that. Mm, you know, they kind of like to blow things out of proportion. Of That's a shot out to all the guys who were just, you know, can't he doesn't like to win, you know, blah, blah. He cares about is his own self. He's selfish, blah, blah. Man, opposing GMs, you're cowards for being making those comments anonymous. You don't want to come out and say I'm live. I don't want to hear it. JT is shutting you guys up. He's shutting up the league about him, you know, not being a superstar that can really raise his game another notch. He's he's there, man. He's getting there. He's becoming a great player. Also, shouting out um Jason Tatum for just honestly being a really good teammate throughout this whole process. I thought, you know, he's been correct in the media. He hasn't let really bought into the, the whole hype around like, Oh, he's on a slow side. He's like, man, I'm fine. Like he really was like, I'm confident. I'm fine. We're good. So Jason Tatum, good job for having that strong mentality and powering through and then getting a well-deserving uh, player of the week. Yeah. Um, I echo everything you just said there. Um, I'm going to get up on my vent box and say that the reason everybody wants to split up the Jays is because they subconsciously wish they had them on their team. And since they don't, they want to break them up because they know how much they could really do uh, as far as damage is concerned throughout the NBA for the next decade. So uh, don't buy into any of that stuff. You know, I, I think the Celtics, uh, I think Jason and Jalen are going to retire Celtics. Um, they seem like really loyal guys, you know, they love playing together, man. They've said it a bunch of times. They play off each other. People like to make up these things that they don't play well off each other. It's just not true. They actually play terrific off each other. When they're both playing well, they make each other's life much, much, much easier. And I'm going to give Jason Tatum a shout-out for something a little different. Jason Tatum, shout-out for being a great dad, man. Uh, it's really awesome to see Deuce follow this man around everywhere. Uh, Deuce is pretty much living the dream. seems like Tatum is always, you know... You know, it was good to see Kemba, you know, Uncle Kemba hang out with uh, Deuce for a few minutes, you know. So, I don't know. That's just like – just a really great relationship, it seems like, Tatum and Deuce, man. Anytime I see the NBA posts or the Celtics posts, you know, Tatum and Deuce hanging out, man. It always brings a smile across my face. So, absolutely wholesome content. Got to shout him out for that. Not only is he a great player, great teammate. He's a great – Yeah, man. Uh, love love seeing that. It's love seeing Jason Tatum and Deuce – the duo that the the league never knew that they needed, but we love them um, out in Boston. Dude is tall, also. Man, yeah, dude's like the tallest five year old I've ever seen. Dude, he's tall, man. He's getting there. Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be tall just like Jason. But, um, but yeah, man, that kind of goes uh, for everything that I had as far as these uh, few games that we had to go over, as well as uh, the vent box. Did you have anything else you wanted to add as far as the games go? Uh, nope. Just that, uh, on the Wednesday we got the Cavaliers and, you know, in years past we would say, let's go. We got the Cavaliers easy win. Not so fast this year. They are third in the Eastern conference. Uh, they play very, very, very big with guys like Jared Allen, Laurie Markin, and then the rookie phenom, Evan Mobley. So, uh, hopefully the Celtics got a couple big guys back for that. If not, uh, welcome to Boston. You're going to speak that into existence. I hope huh? so, dude. I've wanted that for like three or four years. <laughs> it's like a long overdue for uh, Lucas, uh, his pipe dream there. He's never let anything um, But that does do it for the Ethos Celtics podcast. Again, I am Patrick, your host. 
Um, follow me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. You can also follow the show at Ethos Celtics um, to get all your content there. Make sure you guys follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Great stuff there. Great review. Uh, make sure you go follow Lucas on Twitter as well at Luca underscore Gainer. And uh, check us out on those uh, streaming platforms. And appreciate you guys uh, coming out to Green Room where we'd like to record our shows mm-hmm. live on the Spotify Green Fruit Room app. And we have people in the stands always coming in and supporting us. We do appreciate it so much. Yes, once again, make that Spotify Green Room account. These Our shows can run a little bit shorter if we get some people up in the audience who want to come ask questions. Uh, you know, always we're always willing to do that. So if you want to come ask us a question, uh, feel free to make an account. Come hop up. We'll always make time for that if there's enough people who want to ask questions. And if that seems like a little intimidating, just drop your question in the review you know, I check them often enough. We'll be we'll be sure to answer them there. So, no, thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks to everybody who showed up tonight on Spotify Green Room. That's all from me, Patrick. All right, Lucas. I'll talk to you later, man. Yes, Wednesday night. All right, peace out. <laughs>